All of today's scripture readings come from the message paraphrase. First, Psalm 91. You who sit down in the high God's presence, spend the night in Shaddai's shadow, say this, God, you're my refuge. I trust in you and I'm safe. That's right, he rescues you from hidden traps, shields you from deadly hazards. His huge outstretched arms protect you. Under them, you're perfectly safe. His arms fend off all harm. Fear nothing, not wild wolves in the night, not flying arrows in the day, not disease that prowls through the darkness, not disaster that erupts at high noon. Even though others succumb all around you, drop like flies right and left. No harm will even graze you. You'll stand untouched. Watch it all from a distance. Watch the wicked turn into corpses. Yes, because, because God's your refuge, the high God, your very own home. Evil can't get close to you. Harm can't get through the door. He ordered his angels to guard you wherever you go. If you stumble, they'll catch you. Their job is to keep you from falling. You'll walk unharmed among lions and snakes and kick young lions and serpents from the path. If you'll hold on to me for dear life, says God, I'll get you out of any trouble. I'll give you the best of care if you'll only get to know and trust me. Call me and I'll answer. Be at your side in bad times. I'll rescue you, then throw you a party. I'll give you a long life, give you a long drink of salvation. The gospel reading is from John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Then Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Look at me. I stand at the door. I knock. If you hear me call and open the door, I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. This is the word of the Lord. Glad everyone's here and glad everyone is online. And thank you for uh, the music. And so just by way of background, some of you may or may not have studied French and you might be wondering why the title of the service is uh, Sermon is Shea God. If you've been to certain restaurants, you might have seen Shea Randolph or Shea Monique. What that really means is the home of. So I think, I think the purpose in my mind of what we'll be exploring today is that God is our home. He invites us to be with him all the time. And the sermon will focus on uh, this, this psalm that many of us have heard before. I know my father, my sister-in-law's father, when he fought in Italy, North Africa during World War II had it on a piece of paper in his pocket. He took it with him and he returned thankfully with that. So he took it to heart literally. 
that he would be protected. But I think we know that there are various ways of protection. And I think we're grateful that here we are in the 21st century, we can look back over all of the applications of that psalm. The psalm is believed to have been written by Moses. It could have been written by anyone during the Old Testament times because as we know, there were many, many battles and many armies and peoples that were not pleased with the Israelites. And God protected them in many ways, but he also taught them through some very difficult trials that some at that time might have accepted as protection. But he, as we know, is the God who has everything in the palm of his hand and knows what he wants from each of us and will work his purpose through that. The first couple of verses really are talking about home and dwelling. They're different translations of home. In Hebrews, dwells means to actually sit down with. So in the first couple of verses, we are talking about sitting down. And you don't sit down with people unless you intend to spend time with them, unless maybe you're a student and you've been told by the teacher to go sit with the principal. That's a different type of sitting down with. Um, I don't know anything about that, but um, he, he also says in this psalm that you will stay with, you will stay the night. And that's a long time. And we know as well, we've had kids or we've had our own experiences with nightmares. And who did we call out to? We called out to our parents and who came and sat with us, maybe even stayed up all night with us, maybe provided that sense of comfort and love and protection. So when we talk about God spending the night with us, yes, it can be literal, but it can also be a very long night of the soul. And we have some of our, our historical individuals who've written on that. And those are pieces of history and pieces of prayers from these individuals that can mean very much to us when we're going through that, that dark period of the soul. So he is a refuge, that's what he says. And really at the beginning of uh, Genesis, the beginning of the relationship with us when God himself created us, he said, let us create him, us, us. Or who is us? Obviously, God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The us part is a relationship. From time immemorial, immemorial God has existed and has had fellowship with himself. And when he created us, he sought that too. He sought that too. So when we enter into his home or refuge, it's an ongoing thing that he has intended from the very beginning. So it's a gift. He covets and desires our presence. And I know we all do the same. There are other parts of the psalm, great references in our songs even today. Pestilence, 
Rebecca spoke of that. They're very real, practical, real life challenges that we face. I'm looking out at masks. I never intended to look at masks again, but here we are. Um, and out of our own desire to protect each other and love each other, we do that. We do that. So pestilence started way before the bubonic plague, and who's to say that we won't have something like that again in the future? Terrors of the night could be a child, could be something else that comes undefinable at this point in time. But something I think that we've probably all heard before, how God over time protects us. There are many images in this second part of the psalm. And one that I'm sure you've heard if you have any farming background or any family members, or maybe have attended WCF for some period of time, the image of the hen covering her chicks. That's very sweet, but it has a deeper meaning because if you've ever been or been around family members, fires at farms, a lot of damage, a lot of death, but many times farmers come upon the hens, scorched, dead, but underneath her wings are the chicks, are the babes that she has protected with her very life. Is that not what Jesus has done for us in so many ways? So those are very practical, tactical images. So they're literal, and then there are the virtual or things that may happen. And so there are a lot of elements in this third through 13 verses that you, I don't recommend you run around kicking snakes or kicking lions. I don't think that's what the intent is. The writer is saying, this God who has invited us to be with him is our protector and loves us. But that protection is not just for this life, but also for the life to come. He offers salvation for us to eternity. Very hard, very hard, I think, to grasp and understand. On the other hand, we all have had those moments of eternity. How many of us have been with best friends or people that you haven't seen in years? And you sit down, seven o'clock, and all of a sudden, it's 2 a.m. the next morning. And you're like, how, we haven't seen each other. But that loss of time, that sense of time that's not there, is a sense of eternity, a small little glimpse. It's something that C.S. Lewis reminds us of. And again, God in his gentle way is saying to us, yes, there's more. And this sort of fellowship that you've had with this person, we can continue to have together too. So really we choose our spiritual home. We choose to fellowship with God. We choose to fellowship with one another. And that invitation never, never disappears. Nothing, as Paul has said, comes between us and the love that God has for us. Nothing. 
and it's a gift. It's a gift. So if you'll notice, in the actual psalm, it starts off as a speaker. The longest part of the psalm is written by maybe Moses or someone, but he is affirming in the first verses who God is. You are my refuge. You do take care of me. You do invite me to sup with you. But toward the end of the psalm, what happens? The speaker changes. The speaker is God. God is now saying, because he loves me, I will rescue him. It becomes personal. It becomes personal. Once again, we have Genesis, the relational aspect of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to which we are invited, all the way to the end through Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He who lets me in, I will come in and sup with him and me with him. We have our once a month supper together, second Sunday, so that we can fellowship with one another. That is a very sweet time. And we all missed that when we were wearing masks all the time. And I think it's something that reminds us that the body, in fact, needs to be together. The relational element, the unity of being together with all our warts, all the challenges that we face, but all of the reminders that God when we call on him, will continue to protect us, not just for now, but for over time. And there are others who have taken different slants on uh, interpretations of this psalm, and there are others who will focus on being delivered for eternity. And I really commend us to think about that, because in fact, what we often experience runs counter to what we see in the psalm here, the literal interpretation. But we do not only live in a literal world. Paul reminds us in Ephesians that we are confronted by powers and principalities in the high places who attempt to thwart the relationship, the love that God has set up and established for us. So we have an opportunity to call on him. And in actual fact, in the NIV version, God says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him. We're not talking about 100 years of age. Some of us have family members that are close to 100, exceeded 100. But at the end of the day, that's not the life that Jesus is calling us to. He's calling us to serve him in the way that he served us. He's given us the salvation forgiveness of our sins, but not just to have that done, but to serve 
him by serving each other. So that salvation, that life, is a life of service. And again, as we referenced, abiding in him. We can all do great things, but unless we are abiding with God and following his will, even the hard things that do not make sense at that point in time, he will be with us. Not only will he protect us, but by doing what he has called us to do through the power and strength of his Holy Spirit, we will serve him. And we'll be part of that long life that he has promised us, starting when we accepted Jesus, but ongoing until we are with him and we are, we are told, well done, my beloved servant. So I encourage us to think about this psalm in a little bit different way. I wanted us to look at the message because well, I just like Peterson one, but the poetic parts of this, and I think sometimes the King James Version and NIVs can be very, very literal. And for those of us who come from traditions that take everything literally, I wanted us to be needed, needled a little bit about that, because I think we know from our own experience, if you picked up a snake, you'd be making a mistake. So I do encourage us to continue to choose to be with this God who is personal, this God who has invited us to be with him, to sup with him, to learn from him, and to honor him. May it be so. Amen.